All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Let's uh, make our way back to our seats. Hate to break up good fellowship. Uh, we'll pick that right back up at the end before we take off today. It's good to see everybody again. Welcome this morning uh, to New Life Church, the beginning of December. Can you believe it? December the 2nd, 2018. Um, we are in the process, uh, our second week of our series, our Advent and Christmas series. So um, we're going to jump into our text today. We're going to be, I'm going to invite you to open up the, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Also, these verses will be on our screen up here on the stage behind me. Our series is called God With Us. And last week, if you weren't with us, we started with the first part. It was called Reviving Hope. That is on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You can go uh, to the website, and it's on the home page there. And you'll see a button that says Sermons, and it also has it titled. You can click right on it, download it, or just listen to it right there. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, said this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And you're going to skip down and uh, go to verse 17. It begins to list all the genealogy there of Jesus. Verse 17, all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. It says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We take our name for this series. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus, chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. All of that is important. It's also important because we're going to talk about all of that today. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us your word Thank you for keeping your word and being faithful to your word. Thank you today that right now I pray that by your spirit you would shine your light on it 
and bring forth revelation to our hearts, to our minds. Help us to grasp it, Lord. God, and let this knowledge and this understanding not just be in our heads. God, get it into our hearts. We don't want to be people who just can know it in our minds. Lord, we want to know it deep in our soul. We want a relationship with you that's not built upon a thought, but is built upon intimacy. Bridge the gap, close the distance, draw near today to hearts and lives in this room and our children with their classes today. Be near today, God, as we declare from your word, you are here with us. Make it personal. Make it real. And we honor you for that now, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And if you agree, you can say amen. amen. So this season of Advent, approaching Christmas, it's, it's a season marked by expectation and longing and anticipation. You know, obviously, as our children get ready to open presents in a few days, between now and then, they're obviously chomping at the bit, wanting to know, what would you get me? Did you get me this? Did you get me this? Is this on? I had this on my list. Did you get this? Is it, and obviously you have to wait until that day. And so that alone is just one simple way that our children have this expectation about presents and about gifts, about Christmas morning. And we all have different, you know, traditions that we all set for our families with that. But this season is really that alone. It's, it's an anticipation. It's an expectation. It's, it, 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 Advent, really what it does, it, it, it bridges the past, the present, and the future. As we read there in verse 17, 14 generations, Abraham to David, and so on. And we're going to get to that here in a moment. But it also offers us this opportunity right now to this, this story. That's, I, I took the time to read that particular story out of Matthew, Matthew's account, because we sh- this should never get old to us. Amen. This should never get stale to us. We should never be at a place where we think, I already know all that. That we should always join in this ancient longing for the coming Messiah and celebrate his birth, but also have this expectation of his coming again, the second coming of Christ, because that is still yet to happen. That is going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen. And as Christians, we need to have that expectation in our hearts every day, that, that flame of hope, that flame of anticipation that Jesus is coming again. That we're not going to be left here on this earth the way it is. No, when he comes, he's going to change it all. He's going to change it all, and it's all going to become a new heaven and a new earth. Everything will be new. As Thomas exhorted us earlier, he makes all things new, and he will wipe away all tears. He will take away all pain. But the problem with that is we don't live like that every day, do we? We don't live with that kind of longing I'm guilty as well. I don't live with that kind of expectation in my heart. I get weary from the days, and I, and, and I get burdened by the troubles of life. And I fail to live every day the way Jesus says to live, and that is to live with this expectation, which is why it's so imperative that we want to walk our church through this time called Advent, leading up to what we also call Christmas. Because of what it holds. What this season holds at its core is hope. 
love, joy. And you can't forget peace. Amen? Peace. Today I want to talk to you in this series, God with us, about relentless love. Relentless love. Let's look at our subtext in 1 John. You've got to flip kind of way over in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 16 says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. Can you say that with me? God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more, pers- excuse me, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Oh, if we can just get that. If I could just live like Jesus on this earth. Right? So, verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Man, I want to live there every day. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Fully experienced his perfect love. In verse 19, we love each other because he, Christ, loved us first. The nature of God is love. The nature of God is love. Woven through the tapestry of time, you see the love of of God. Life is, no, is not perfect. I don't think I have to convince anybody about that. Life's not perfect. It has its triumphant moments along with tragedy. It has its mess, but it also has its miracles. Life, it has its betrayals, its besetting sins. It has its setbacks and its consequences, but life also has its reconciliation and redemption and restoration, and it has its comebacks. Thank God for comebacks. I just love a good comeback story. You see, the love of God, you see it throughout time. And Matthew records 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 generations from the Babylonian exile until the Messiah. Why is that so crucial? Why would he bother to put that in there? For me, I'll take it this way for us today. You see the love of God with the likes of Abraham, how he left the unfamiliar. He left the familiar for the unfamiliar, the known for the unknown. You can see that as he traveled and followed the Lord. You can see the love of God with Joseph when he endured the pit and he endured the prison, the pit of despair and the prison of forgetfulness, and he overcame bitterness and offense. And he had to walk through false accusations to get to a place at the end of his life where he could look his family in the eye and tell them, all the harm that was ever done to me, God intended it for good. Now think about, only God's love can empower somebody to think that way and to say something like that way. Think about it, all the harm ever done, this is not the core of my message, but this is just part of it, in your life, God can use to turn around for good. 
But you got to believe. You got to believe God is love. You got to believe that. You can see the love of God with the stuttering Moses standing up to a strong Pharaoh telling him, Let people go. Think about it. What is your stutter that keeps you from standing up to your ugly Pharaohs? God's love is powerful. God's love will help you overcome. You even see, this one will really mess us up if we're religious. God, You see God's love with Rahab, the prostitute. Hiding two spies. Later, Rahab becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Now that'll trip you straight up and down. Right? But you see the love of God in that. You see the love of God in the next 14 generations between David and the Babylonian exile, you see God's love with David and all his missteps. Yet it was said of him that David had a, had a heart after God's own heart. That's what it was said about David. You see God's love with the likes of Isaiah. Man, he was born and, and, and put in a time of ministry during some of the darkest days of Israel, their Civil War days. And it was his duty to prophesy God's word to their, his people in a time where it was dark and it was dim. But it's in the moment of that darkness where he prophesied what Matthew recorded, Isaiah seven fourteen, And the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. It's just a reminder that in our dark days, there's still the glimmer of hope that God says, I will come and I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. You see the love of God with the likes of Jeremiah. Poor God, man, he was called the weeping prophet. If you looked at him and the natural people would think his contemporaries thought, man, this guy's a failure. This guy's a phony. Look at him. All he does is sit around and lament and cry all the time. But he was given the daunting task of prophesying again during the dark days of Israel. And he prophesied one of the most famous ones that's written on most all graduation cards, Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a future and a hope for his people. Though today look devastating, though today look dark, though today not look like the sun's going to come up, just hold on because hope will rise. Hope will rise. Your heart will beat again. Your soul will feel again. Your life will move again. Your relationships will come together again. Your things in your life that are broken right now will come around because God has a hope and a future for his people. But he prophesied it during the day and time when it was very hard and very dark. But you see the love of God hold his people together. You see the love of God keep his promises together in the life of his people. Even in the midst of tragedy. Even in the midst of devastation. Even in the midst of those setbacks. God was setting the stage for the greatest comeback story that has ever been written. And you see the love of God with the following generations. From exile to the Messiah. You see him with the likes of Ezekiel and Daniel. Yes, Daniel, who was thrown in the lions, then that Daniel. Ezekiel, who was given visions, and Daniel given visions of one day God would restore his people. But 
there is a yet an appointed time for that to happen. Living in the in-betweens of God saying it until God does it. But how many days and how many times have you and I lost some hope and lost some faith because God said it but yet has not done it and we have stopped on the in-betweens? That's why we got to keep pressing. We got to keep stepping. We got to keep showing up. We got to keep doing what God has called us to do because He will fulfill what He said He was going to do. You see the love of God with the likes of Ezra and Nehemiah who faced some haters in their day. They were charged with rebuilding the sacred in the life of God's people. They had the task and the calling to rebuild the walls of the temple in their city. And then it goes dark. It goes silent. For about 400 years, no prophet, no voice of God. People living and dying, living and dying, living and dying. Hundreds of years go by wondering, will God ever show up again? Will God ever speak to us again? Will that Messiah, that that one guy Isaiah said, will he, would it ever come to pass? Maybe your life feels like that sometimes, wondering, when is God going to come around and actually get, a, get to doing what he said he was going to do? And then finally, God broke the silence. God closed the gap. And God came near. And Jesus, the Messiah, was born. But he wasn't born in the palace where they expected the Savior of the world to come from because that would put hope in them that their salvation came from an earthly king. Salvation was born in a manger. In a manger. Think about it. Love came and first stepped foot on this earth in a manger. Amongst the lowly, Amongst the common, he was born during the reign of King Herod, one of the most cruel and evil kings of that time. So evil, so cruel, he even executed his own family. And then later sought to slaughter all of the infants shortly thereafter Christ was born. And who did God give this task of Birthing the Messiah, the unknown, Mary. Mary. The carpenter, Joseph. Yet Joseph is obviously in the lineage of King David and Christ. Just didn't come from him. And you see, then this story picks up with two people, Mary and Joseph, their love story. And their love story actually becomes a supernatural love story between God and His people, between you and me. And we need to answer that question. How can this supernatural love of God live in my life? 
How can I feel it? How can I know it? How can I experience it? How can I actually live with this? What, what's the big deal with this? How does it affect me today? And not just today, not in this just season, this season. I don't want the love of God just to be real to me in December. I want the love of God to also be real to me in January and in the future of my life. Amen. That's the continual, non-exhausting love of God that carries on from generation to generation through time. And, 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 and is also, it, it carries with us from, from season to season. So, last few minutes I have, I want to share three thoughts about the relentless Love of God. Can I do that with you today? Can we dive into that? Three thoughts about the relentless love of God. First and foremost, and we're stemming right here from our subtext of 1 John 4. God is love. Number one, God is love. He said, we know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love and God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them But the question that some people might have is, is love enough? Just think about it. Is love enough? Is is this love strong enough or deep enough to handle all of my X, Ys, and Zs of life? From the trivial and the annoying little things of life to the catastrophic and potentially crushing things of life. Is this love enough? Is this love strong enough for me? And the answer emphatically is yes. This love is strong enough. This love is capable enough. This love is powerful enough. This love is patient enough. This love is personal enough. God is enough. God is enough. God is enough because his love is faithful. His love is faithful. God is love. Love breaks the silence in our life. Love closes the distance. Love breaks the waiting in our life. Love confronts the evil in our world. Love confronts the darkness in our life. Love confronts the cover-ups that you and I try to put out there so people don't really see the real struggle that we have. God's love does that. Love came to bridge the gaps. Love came to heal the brokenhearted. Love came to break the generational curses and chains off of the human hearts and lives. Love came to destroy hate. Love came to rebuild the sacred. Love did that. Love came to conquer. Love came to connect. Love came to sympathize. Love came to empathize. Love came. Jesus came. God is love, folks. This relentless love has come, and this relentless love is here, and God has been pursuing human hearts ever since. Because he knows the things 
that can, captive, that can take us captive and hold us back. God is love. Here's a second thought. God gives love. God gives love. It says it in 1 John four seventeen. It says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. We can face him. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love, it expels all fear. God gives love. You know, here's the thing. Joseph, he found out the news about Mary, and here's what Joseph was going to do. He was going to divorce Mary. He, he just, it was a hard-fetched, uh, it was a tough story to believe. The Holy Spirit did this to you? <laughs> That's crazy. So anybody ever tells you they got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, they lied. It only happened the one time. Only the one time. Only the one time because it was Jesus. But he was going to divorce her. He felt betrayed. That's the biggest issue. He felt betrayed. And he had so much pain. Anybody ever felt betrayed? Man, that is a tough one to deal with. Betrayal. That's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, come on. Most probably wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, get mad at Joseph if we didn't really understand the full context of this story, just looking at the natural side of this whole thing. Oh, yeah, Joe, man, yeah, you got every right, dude. Break it off. Telling his homies, hey, bro, she did that to me. (laughs) Adios. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Right? Who knows what, who, I mean, he was, the thing about it with Joseph, though, he said he was a good man. So most likely he probably wasn't going around talking about it because Matthew gives us the inside scoop. He was trying to handle it quietly. He wasn't talking it up. He was trying to just figure it out. But in his heart, he had resolved, you know what? It's just best if I walk away, let her go, I'll go. Somehow life will carry on. We'll move forward, but I'm going to just do it quietly. I'm not going to make her out to be a spectacle. I mean, come on, what an outstanding man. Right? He said, I'm not going to make her look bad. I'm just going to go about life, carry on. This is, you know, whatever. And so he fell asleep, and he had a dream, right? He had this dream. And an angel, the first thing the angel told him was this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see, God knew that Joseph needed supernatural love. God does not withhold his love from us. He knows what we need. He knew what Joseph needed. And so for Joseph, he needed a visit from an angel. For Joseph to get this, for Joseph to understand this, for Joseph to be okay with this, he needed a visit from an angel, and God gave him just what he needed. He knew exactly what was at the heart of Joseph's hurt, and that was fear. Joseph was afraid. And right off the bat, God dealt with his heart. God always deals with the roots of our heart, people. 
He always deals with the roots of our heart. What is at the root of our heart that makes you afraid? Child of God, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You afraid of failing? Maybe afraid of succeeding. Are you afraid of going broke? Are you afraid of losing relationships? Talking about doing the will of God. I'm not talking about just doing whatever you want to do. I'm talking about doing God's will. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of people? Are you afraid of yourself? What are you afraid of? Fear is a very real thing, church. Fear is a very captivating thing. It, impri- it, it puts us in prison. Fear paralyzes. Come on, are you afraid to answer the phone? Because you're afraid of what they're going to tell you when, you when they call you. Anybody ever been like that? Be like, man, what, you answer the phone, hello, what bad news do you have for me? And what happens, fear keeps us from living. Fear keeps us from living. Fear keeps us from living. Fear keeps us from prospering. Fear keeps us from our purpose. Fear robs us and bankrupts us and holds us hostage. But what tells fear to get out the dough? That's door. What tells fear to get out of the door? You read 1 John 4, 16, 17, 18, 19. In the Amplified Version, it gets loud. It expounds, and it, and it says, Fear expels, or excuse me, love expires, expels fear. I'll get it right in a second. Love Perfect love expels fear and gives it the boot. Gives it the boot. Tells it to go. Now, I wish I could stand here and tell you today that I never have fear. Which means I'm still trying to live as what John describes as living in the full experience of his perfect love. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? That's where we need God's love to come in. What is your fear? I mean, really, think about it. What, what are you afraid of? God, through an angel, told Joseph, don't be afraid. If you live afraid, you're going to keep yourself out of my will. If you live afraid, you're going to miss my opportunity for you. God cared so much that he took time to send an angel. And somebody in here is like, I wish an angel would come and sit with me. No, you don't. It would freak you out. (laughs) But what are we afraid of, guys? Are we afraid of trying? God's love he wants to give. And so God visited Joseph and he gave him the reassurance that he needed in order to trust. Because when you really truly feel loved, you trust. Right? When you really feel loved, you trust. You don't have any holdbacks. You don't, you don't, you don't, 
You don't live in reservation when you are really, truly loved, when you know you're loved. And, and, it's, and it, that's my heart cry in, in life today is, God, I want to know more than anything that I'm loved by you beyond a shadow of a doubt because I don't want to be robbed by fear. I don't want to live afraid. I don't want to live wondering. And God visited and reassured Joseph And it brought trust to him. One, to trust Mary. Two, to trust God himself. And that's just it. God's love knows exactly what we need in our life, no matter what season you and I face. We need to be able to trust God. How do we trust God? We let God love us. Why do you think God wants to love you so bad? Because he wants you to trust him so much. We focus on wanting to trust God more. Really, we just need to let ourselves be loved more. Because we're frail and we're broken creatures. And we live in this, this, this shell of a, of a, of a, of a person. And, and inside of us, we're afraid to really let God in. Because we're afraid God may not like what he sees. Some of us live by performance. The more I do, the better I feel about myself. That'd be me. I like to work hard and perform well, and when I don't, I get disgusted at myself. I get mad. I'm, I'm not, I am my worst critic. I don't need a critic shouting from the bandstands looking at me telling me you suck because I do it very well to myself. Yeah. I know when I don't perform well. I know when I'm not up to par. I know I'm very well aware of my frailties, and that is a big deal for me. Because I don't let God love me well enough yet. And I've been saved now. Carry the one time. Almost 30 years. And I've been preaching full time for 20 plus. When am I going to get with the program, Kaylee? When am I going to get, when am I really going to let all this thing, God be himself big in me, Rusty? When? I'll be 43 in 20-something days. <laughs> Some of you already been past 43. Some of you already been there and tell me it's going to be all right. And I need that, just like other people need that. I wish we had an honest preacher. <laughs> then maybe we might go somewhere, right? <laughs> what are you afraid of, Church? What keeps you bowing? I don't know why I keep digging on this, James, but somebody's dealing with some fear today. And you came to church needing to be reassured, does God know my name? Does God, is he aware of me? Don't live in fear. Tell yourself, don't live in fear. I tell myself, man, don't live in fear. Be who you were created to be. Live boldly for God. Live courageously. Live it, like if, if this were a trust fall and God were right here and he caught me, that would be amazing. But that's how we're called to live our life. But I don't always live like that. I live reserved. Shame on me. I ain't preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to me.
I'm going to get saved after this message. God wants to give his love. He wants to give his love so bad. He wants you to know his love so bad because he's not up there with regardless of whatever kind of stupid theology anybody might have. He's not up there with a hammer or a sledgehammer to bang you over the head when you make a mistake. He wants to give love so bad. And the last thought is this. God's love flows through us. God is love. God gives love. God's love flows through us. Verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. It's the only way. It's the only way you and I are able to love other people is because Jesus loves us first. Because Jesus loves us first. Mary is the final character we'll talk about here. Mary accepted the Lord's will in her life, yet it left her feeling torn, confused. How about that? I'm in your will, Lord, but yet I feel torn and confused. Shouldn't I have some kind of peace here? It just, I love this story of, we got to learn to look at the Bible in this way. It's real people dealing with real stuff. They weren't perfect. They struggled, y'all. They, they had the title. They had the, the sign. The struggle is real, y'all. Hashtag. Forgot that. Got to put the hashtag on that. <laughs> she was torn. She was confused and she was wondering, man, what is going to happen to me? Joseph doesn't believe me and I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth here, Joe. I'm telling the truth. You got to believe me. You ever try to convince somebody like that before? And it's like no matter what, they just, nope, nope, not going to believe it. I'm staring truth in the face and yet I don't believe it. Wondering what would, go, what, what would happen to me? What she's, what's going to happen? And perhaps asking some questions like this and maybe... You might ask questions like this. Will God be able to bring out of me what he has put in me? Can God finish what he really started with me? Will God's purpose for my life ever come to pass? Did I make too many mistakes? Perhaps I crossed the line too many times. Did my chance with God's will fly right by me? Did I miss it? Can anything good come from my life? Can anything really Truly, truthfully, good. Can anything good really come from this? From, from this, this story of mine? This lifeline of mine? Can anything good come from me? Can anything good come from me? And here she is, Mary, in God's will, perhaps asking questions like that. Wondering, 
And maybe you find yourself, have asked, you have asked those questions, or perhaps today you might have some similar thoughts. Where did Mary find her contentment? Where did she get her peace? Where did she get her answers? Where did love meet Mary next? Through her cousin, Elizabeth. God's love flowed through Elizabeth. Mary told Joseph, talked, wasn't going well. They part ways for a season. Mary goes to the country. Visits her cousin, Elizabeth, who was also pregnant at the time with the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. Okay? They don't really know that to each other yet, but Mary walks into the door, says hi. However, they said hi at that time. Today it'd be like, what up, player? <laughs> Not really. It'd just be, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, James isn't a player. He's good. He's faithful. I want to set you up for failure here, man. <laughs> Shalom in your home, y'all. <laughs> I should quit. I better go home. <laughs> um, let's see. Where was I at? Mary, <laughs> Mary, Mary, Mary. Uh, okay, so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and they greet each other. And here's the thing. Elizabeth hears what Mary, hears her greeting to her, hears her walk in and say hello. And the babe inside of Elizabeth leaps for joy. There's a sign of life coming, sign of life. And Elizabeth tells Mary, Basically, wow, that baby in you is from God. And you have just brought confirmation to my life. But I'm also speaking back to you and saying, what you're doing, what you accepted, is God's will. You're going to be okay. What God has for you, it's going to work out. What God has put in you, He's going to bring it to pass. God's promise for your life, Mary, it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's all going to work out when you get back home, but I'm just going to tell you right now, you spoke, the babe in me jumped, and i got to speak back to you. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're right in the middle of God's will. You're right where you belong. And friends, for a person who ever wondered if they were God wants them to be and someone tells them that, that is reassuring. And guess what? God's love wants to flow through us to other people. Wants to reach out and touch somebody else's life. Elizabeth's just trying to do her thing and here comes Mary dropping in. Going to stay about three months with her. And she says, look, what's in you is God. What, what has started in you is God. And what God starts, he will finish Think about that, child of God. What God starts in your life, He will finish. What He has put into motion, He will bring to pass. Don't ever think that you're more powerful than the destiny and the plan of God. God is greater than anything. God's more faithful than anyone. 
God has more detail to the design of your life than you could ever conjure up on yourself. If I could just remember that myself on Mondays. Amen? God is faithful. And God's love flows through us. God's love flowed through Elizabeth to get to Mary because Mary was wondering, did I make a mistake? Anybody ever been there? Did I make a mistake? Did I, did I decide wrong? Did I choose wrong? Did, did I go too far in this? Maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I didn't hear you right, Lord. Mary was touched by love, greeted with love. Mary was confirmed that God's love was there and that God's love is real and that everything in her life, it would work out. It would work out. God's love to us enables us to love other people. Think about people in your, in your sphere of life that you find it difficult to love. We need more. That's my cue. I'm wrapping up. We need more of the love of God. Right? How many days have we fallen short? How many conversations did we mess up? How many interactions did we, you know, we were at fault? How many times? Because we need more of the love of God. And in this Christmas season... As we're pushing hard as a church to express to our community, to others in our, own, in our own flock, and literally around the world that we're hoping to bless this Christmas, I would ask you this. Who can you give God's love to this season? Who can you give God's love to this season? I dare say now is more than any other time in our life we need to express and show God's love. It doesn't have to cost a lot other than maybe our pride. Just a little something, a little nudge, a little something to express God's love. Because someone's life, like at the time of Israel at that time, someone's life might be dark. Someone's life might be dim. And you just really never know. You just never really know. One small gesture of love can change that person's life. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you straight out of the Word of God, actually out of Ephesians 3. After I pray, then... Our service leader and elder James will come back and tell us if there's any, whatever else you might need prayer for and how we can do that here and close this out. I want to pray for you.
Paul wrote these, this prayer. Let's receive this. He said, I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. I pray that your roots would grow down into God's love where they have been where your roots have been met with resistance today may they get to the love of God and they will keep you strong his love will keep you strong and I pray that you would have the power to understand as all God's people everywhere should know how wide how long How high, Mm, how deep God's love is. I pray you would experience, not just understand, but you would experience the love of Christ. Sometimes it's too great to understand, but I pray today we would experience it so that you could be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, I pray. That all glory would be to God, the one who is able, through the mighty power that's at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might even ask or think here today. He would be able to far exceed that, Go beyond that and achieve greater than that in our hearts. Glory to Him. Glory to God. Glory to God here in this church. Glory to God here in your life. Glory to God here on this earth. Glory to God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.